Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Matt Archer, the host. And once again, I will not be joined by Shella today as she's off on another assignment. But a few weeks ago, we had a special guest, Colin Sykin, on our show, and we've asked him to come back to share some more thoughts about Cleveland. And one thing you may not know about me is uh, at age 36, I actually picked up ice hockey, uh, adult rec league ice hockey. Um, my family thinks it's my midlife crisis, um, and maybe they're right. Um, but I picked up ice hockey, and, and one tie-in I have to Colin is he also plays hockey. He's played it a lot longer than I am, I have, and he's a lot better at it than I am. But uh, uh, that's one thing I know about Colin is is he's a goalie on the ice, and I'm a defenseman, and um, he says that uh, defensemen are his favorite. So, Colin, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, man. I really appreciate it. And you're right. As a goalie, defensemen are my favorite people in the world. A uh, good defenseman makes my job easy, and um, one of these days I'm driving back down here, I'm going to have to pack up the uh, the leathers in the in the uh, car, and we'll have to go to the chiller. We'll have to do that. We, we have to wait for COVID to be done, but uh, once that's all done, we'll get back on the ice. Been waiting for it for years, my friend. So what kind of projects are going on right now at Local 860 on the private side, the heavy highway and the infrastructure side? Okay, on the heavy highway and private side, uh, we are still staying extremely busy. We have a couple uh, big road infrastructure projects going um, one of them is the massive I-480 bridge, uh, that's being done by Walsh Construction out of Chicago. Um, I am not sure how many hundreds of millions of dollars this bridge is, but this is the giant one that has actually made national news with these specially designed gantry cranes okay. to roll out the bridge and set the beams in place. Um, that's a six-year project going on. Lots of man hours. Oh, yeah. There's another we have called Opportunity Corridor, which is basically going to be a shortcut instead of having to go all the way through Cleveland's inner belt all the way up to the lake to head eastbound. If you're coming northbound, you can cut short of going to downtown to start to hit 90 east, which that's a lot of commerce travels that way. And if we could free up downtown, it's going to make your commute better. Oh, absolutely. Make it, yeah. The Northeast Ohio Sewer District, too. Um, we have a very, very large um, water reclaiming infrastructure up in Cleveland. You know, the one thing about Cleveland, well, and like several other locals, we're right on the lake. And people don't realize that lake is a prize. You know, people make all their jokes, you know, about, you know, the mistake on the lake and Lake Erie this, sure. Lake Erie that. People don't realize the Great Lakes are the world's largest supply of fresh water. There has been legislation enacted to prevent the sale of Lake Erie's water to be shipped to other places that are water insecure. When you have a large population as well, the city of Cleveland itself has almost 400,000 residents in Cleveland proper without even touching the suburbs. That's a lot of infrastructure. That's a lot of use. So... When you have the toilets being flushed and the storm sewers going, that water needs to be reclaimed before it gets put onto the lake. You know, for years and years, there, there were issues with the lake. And for the past, God, 20 years, we've been working very diligently with the sewer district in assembling lots of large underground tunnels and micro tunnels 
these are essentially um, wastewater receptors. The way Cleveland was built at the turn of the century, we have a lot of what they would call combination lines. Your sanitary sewer and your storm sewer run together. So when you have these massive rainfalls, which lead to flooding, or up in Cleveland, massive snow thaws, which you Columbus people don't quite get, right? Um, it overtaxes the infrastructure. And a lot of these water reclamation plants in the past have had to basically open up the gates and let some waste go into the lake. Otherwise, the, the facility would be literally underwater. They couldn't handle the volume. Right. So these massive receptor basins are basically overflow that when these floods happen, instead of releasing waste back into the lake, now it's going to go into these receptor basins where then they could start working extra hours at the plant and reclaim all this water before it's put back out in the lake. It is truly greening up the lake to make it healthier and uh, hopefully last us a lot longer. And I know the Labors have had a long role on the sewer district uh, representation, correct? I, I think Terry Joyce is on there now, uh, the uh, business yep. manager at local, eight, uh, local 310. And, and before him, uh, Tony Liebertor, your business manager, served on the sewer board. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, for all the, the knocks that people like to give the city of Cleveland, I have to tell you how smart is it to actually have organized labor sitting on the board who actually understands the projects, understands the man hours, understands the finances, instead of trying to explain it to someone in an academic sense who right. doesn't truly have that practical knowledge. They know how to get the job done and what needs to be done. So so for those like me that don't really understand these reclamation plants and these retention basins, what kind of work is involved from laborers? What, what, how are they built, and, and what all is needed to build those from the laborers? All right, so we have filtration plants and reclamation plants. Filtration plants is where we get good water from the lake, where it becomes filtrated and turned into drinking water. Reclaiming is where wastewater is sent to be cleaned up or reclaimed, and that is a process all on its own that is absolutely amazing. Um, from the air, when you look down at these plants, it has been funny when I have traveled and there, depending where you're going in the U.S., out of Cleveland Hopkins International, you will fly over one of these things. And I swear, guys, every time that I fly over, I always hear people pontificating about what that thing is. <laughs> and so far, no one's been right. <laughs> so th these plants are... A good portion of them are somewhat underground because, quite simply, that's where the sewer ends up. People don't realize there are thousands upon thousands of miles of sewer and water line right under your feet anywhere you walk in any major city, right? especially a city that's very old like Cleveland. Um, out of sight, out of mind. Right. Exactly. People just... They walk on the street, have no idea what's under their feet. And that's why, you know, you got to call before you dig. You don't know what you're going to start digging into. And that's happened more times than we care to <laughs> talk about. <laughs> um, so these, the filtration plants will take water in from these uh, massive pipes, bring them into a pump station where the water gets filtered out through a series of 
screens, then sieves, then treatments until it can get piped to your house. And then once you're done with the water, it goes into the sewer, which, and it's, you know, your bathroom, your kitchen, uh, the crock in your garage, it all connects to the same place and goes to these plants. It gets there underground and that's where a separation process starts where they start moving large debris from the water and there are chemicals that they use um, in what they call the flock tanks, which is flocculation, which is where all these smaller particles bind together into larger particles and then drop to the bottom where um, arms will come and swipe them away. And then that actually usually ends up getting burned, turned into pellets possibly, um, basically fertilizer, humus, things like that. And people don't realize the water that gets goes down your drain gets cleaned up the national average uh it's supposed to be between 83 and 85 percent and here in cleveland the last i read we are consistently hitting 87 to 88 percent clean before it gets put back into the lake which surpasses the national mandate so people just listen when you go when you're getting ready to go to work in the morning you, you turn on the, the faucet there's water to brush your teeth get in the shower you flush the toilet you know People don't realize all that water got to your house and left your house because of a massive infrastructure that was put in there long before you bought the house. Sure. And I imagine there's a lot of concrete work in that. Oh, God, yeah. So these receptor tunnels that I've spoke of, these things go down a couple hundred feet in the ground and they go for miles. And they are, some of them, I think on, on the average, are about 20 foot inside diameter with solid concrete walls. It's a lot of concrete. It's a, yeah, tons and tons and tons of concrete all getting pumped down, you know, down below. And now some of it's not even being pumped. Some of them are now being built precast. So now as the TBM or tunnel boring machine or mining mole, as we call it in the industry, goes through, um, there are some that can actually place the precast sections as the mole advances forward behind it. And then there's less work to do. We simply grout. You mentioned that sanitary and storm used to run side by side. We, you've talked about sanitary. What does storm do now? Does it still run side by side with the sanitary? Well, here's the problem. In the older parts of town, which is most of Cleveland because it's so old, it is still combination line, which means your sanitary and your sewer run together. Because once the city's established, you can't just close down a city, pull up the streets, and start stuffing more sewer lines in there. When you start getting into the suburbs is where you first truly had your separation of storm sewer and sanitary sewer. But the turn of the century when Cleveland was being built, that wasn't that wasn't a thought. Well, I know Local 860 recently went through a merger with Local 1099, which was a specifically a public sector local. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that merger and, and what led to that? Yeah, so Local 1099 um, was one of our sister affiliates with the Ohio Labor's District Council. And they had a, about 620, 630 public sector workers, and a good number of them worked for different departments of the city of Cleveland, as well as a spattering of other um, municipalities in the general area. Um, they had been around for a while, and they just... Um, financially they were starting to be on a backslide um they had 
loss of memberships and part of it too, just the way they were structured, uh, I don't think gave them any opportunity to really organize right. and bolster their numbers. And anyone who is really in the know about how things like organized labor works, there's no such thing as status quo. If you're not growing, you're dying. Sure. There's no state of homeostasis where you can just ride it out. Once you got. Right. right. And uh, the way they were set up, it was just very difficult for them to have any kind of representation in the field. Sure. And uh, quite frankly, the city of Cleveland was very obstinate in dealing with them sometimes and liked to drag things out uh, so that fiscally it would hurt the local to keep going through all the litigation. Yeah, leadership basically were full-time employees, so they had a they had a full-time job and kind of did the, the, the labor yeah, leadership biz- on the side. Yeah, and, business and, manager was a part-time job for absolutely. a full-time laborer to do on top of his job. Right. So, like I said, and, and the guys who did it, I mean, bless their souls, they did the best they could. They just didn't have enough time. Sure. And resource to really get done what needed done. Like I said, it was on a backslide, but no fault of the people. It's just the way it ended up being set up um, may have worked years ago, but the world has changed and their model didn't. A lot of people think of laborers and they think they're just construction workers. But if you look at the membership on a national level, there are quite a few different industries represented by the laborers. Oh, absolutely. People don't realize letter carriers in some areas are laborers. Um, There is, as far as I know right now, one law enforcement agency that is with the uh, LIUNA. Interesting. Um, And like I said, even in Cleveland alone, you have fiscal employees, you have tax appraisers, you have healthcare workers, or I'm, you know, um, not healthcare hospital, but like um, children, family service, you know, those kinds of providers. Um, Again, you have people from absolutely any walk that could be a labor and you don't even realize it. It all comes down to representation and doing what's best for the worker, no matter what their job is, the laborers are there to represent them. Yeah. One thing I thought was really amazing, um, we had a, a labor who transferred in with the merge from 1099 and uh, he knew that he was now 860. Um, it kind of amazed him that there was construction going on and he saw this, you know, people wearing 860 clothing. So he stopped and talked. He didn't even realize that 860 did, you know, on the private sector construction. So here you have it's the opposite. Well, but it, and it's the same also. We right. have we have guys who have been in the private side for years who really don't know much about the public sector. So we've actually been trying to uh, reach out a little bit more with our um, quarterly newsletter, the 860 Express, and we've really tried to showcase the public sector a little bit more, so that the larger portion of our group starts to realize, hey, you know, these people that you see in the county buildings, these people for the city of Cleveland, these, you know, these people you see, they are your union brother or sister that they might not have known in the past. 
Well, I know Local 860 is pretty active on the internet. Uh, if you go to laborslocal860.com, and I think if you just look up La- Cleveland Labor Locals 860 on Facebook, it will come right up. We'll make sure we put those in the notes to this podcast. Colin, I know a, a lot of Local 860 has a lot of family ties. The current business manager, uh, Tony Libertor, his dad was heavily involved in the local. What kind of other family relationships do you see there in Local 860? You know, there are tons. And, and again, I'm not one of the quote-unquote new heads. You know, I came in almost 20 years ago, and at that time, I was like the um, the unicorn. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. I happened to get in the local and, you know, busted my tail to do a good job and get everything that I've gotten. That being said, there are uh, many, many legacies in in 860. I can't tell you the amount, when I was an instructor, I can't tell you the amount of trainees I would have of young men and women who would tell me that my father's an 860 or my mother or my uncle, you know, or, hey, my, my best friend I grew up with. And uh, it's kind of funny. I would be in class very often, and I would have a trainee just say, oh, hey, so-and-so wanted me to say hi to you. And it'd be someone I worked with in the field, you know, nine years ago. Right. You know, so, okay, there's a connection here. And then I found out when I became an instructor, you know, all these guys I worked with are telling their friends and family, oh, hey, if you get this instructor, Colin, tell him you know me, you know, you know he'll, he'll look out for you. And, and that's great, but let me tell you, as instructors, we looked out for everyone. Sure. Um, but with 860, it, it seems to, and I'm sure other locals are the same, but it, it seems to be like a tradition. A lot of families hand down. You know, a lot of kids grew up knowing that 860 is what put food on their table, what, you know, got them through school, did all kinds of things. So a lot of them, um, quite honestly, a lot have college degrees and guess what? Those jobs that they went to school for aren't there. Right. You know, people say, oh, the manufacturing, it's more than manufacturing that's gone. You have a lot of people who spent a lot of time and money in school who are coming to laboring to actually make a career. And I know you run a scholarship program up there, correct? Uh, yes, we do. We have a scholarship and um, we have several different ways to fund it. We sell 860 merchandise at our uh, gatherings. And we uh, typically have a clam bake in the fall. Uh, The proceeds go to that scholarship fund. This year, unfortunately, with COVID. and just Yeah, impossible. Just think about clams. (laughs) It's just, you know, all hand food. It was just not going to work. So we are um, really, really hoping that uh, we get through the other side of this COVID thing and our life can go a little bit back to normal. I think we're all hoping for that right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny. A lot of the public sector people who are you know, now getting you know, more involved or they've merged in with uh, 1099, um, it's kind of funny. They're seeing field reps in the field now like they've never seen before. They're starting to talk to the road crews who are out there. Um, in Cuyahoga County, there's a group of sanitation engineers who, when the digging gets too deep for the county, they don't have the equipment, they'll call a signatory contractor in Cleveland to come do the deep excavation for them. Well, now they're brothers or sisters. Absolutely. You know, it's not just the uh, the guys you're subbing to. Now it's uh, it has a whole new meaning. And uh, I'll tell you, from both sides, 
we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the membership. So that that really just some days you work, you work hard, and you're mentally exhausted. You think you would fall asleep very easily, but it's the opposite. Your your mind is still going, trying to figure out what needs to get done. And then I'll get a phone call or a text, and I'll hear someone's anecdotal story about you know meeting someone else, and oh, they were totally cool to me, and you know it's the little things like that that kind of it makes it all worth it. You know, you get your nerves on edge, and you hear these stories, and it's like. It, it takes about 10% off, maybe 15% off, and you can actually start to relax a little bit more, and you know what you're doing has a purpose. Sure. Was the administrator of the pension fund, I know that we pay out more and more pensions every year, so obviously we're losing some of those that older workforce into retirement. What do you see as a need for the future for apprentices or new laborers to come in in Northeast Ohio? Well, there's constantly a need. Um, I believe right now we have over 200 apprentices in Local 860. You're right, and we do need them because as people retire, they are not just losing the workforce. We are losing a lot of institutional knowledge. Right. Um, let me just say this. You know, I am 100% for education. I was an instructor, but it is a big misconception that a lot of these contractors make when they think that intelligence is the same as wisdom. Sure. I can teach someone to trade and I can get them certified in a skill, but I can't show them every curveball that is going to get thrown at them in the field. These older members, before they retire, have a career of troubleshooting, right. falling back on what they learned to correct problems. And we need people to constantly be coming in as these other younger people graduate up to become those guys who are getting all the curveballs thrown, and they need to pass that knowledge down in the field as well. Absolutely. So, you know, with Local 860, the work has been crazy with all the roads and bridges, all the sewer and uh, infrastructure industry, you know, as well as any other future projects that might be coming up. You don't ever want to be in a situation where there's a project and you have to say, I can't man it. Right. Colin, thanks so much for joining us today and, and talking to us a little bit about Local 860 in Cleveland and the and the kind of work that you're doing up there. Thanks a lot for having me again, Matt. And uh, if anyone is interested more about 860, they can go on to Facebook or our website. I believe it will be posted in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today on Down with the Dig. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please drop us a line at talk at downwiththedig.com. And also, please remember to like us, share us, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening, and let's be careful out there.